as an FBI steward, they're the, the three most important concepts to always start with are um, helpful, you know, so you're going to help um, prevent and then intervene. You know, you, you hope you never get to intervene. I've only had to do that one time in 11 years. Um, but that's your motto, help prevent intervene. And the horse welfare is a key component as well as fair play. Um, you want every horse and rider to have the same opportunity um, as, you know, every other horse and rider. So, you know, paramount is the safety and welfare of the horse. Well, and rider also. Um, adhere to the rules, not doing something silly that will get them eliminated. Um, and, um, you know, fair play, giving everybody the same opportunity. Welcome to the Major League Eventing Podcast, the show for eventing fans by eventing fans. And as usual, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Cowboy Magic, Karen. Cow girl magic this time. This time, yes. Say it ain't so. It is. Cow girl magic rosewater ultra hydrating cream. Oh. Yes. It's an age-defying moisturizer new to the Cowboy Magic line of products, adds a cowgirl's touch. It rejuvenates hands, neck, and face with a mildly aromatic silk-infused cream designed just for a cowgirl like you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know me. Hey! Hey, it's wintertime. It's that time of year when hands, you know, take a beating. Yeah. All the exposed skin takes a beating. Sure does. Absolutely fantastic product. I did a little bit of research. It is... For everybody, it is for boys and girls. Yes, it is. But especially the cowgirls out there in the world. So fantastic product! Thank you so much, Cowboy Magic and Cowgirl. Uh, Cowgirl Magic. So uh, get on out there and check it out, everybody. Thanks a lot, Cowboy Magic. And if you enjoy the show, please support the people that support the show. And Cowboy Magic is super. This episode is brought to you by Turtleneck Premium Horse Clothing. Yeah, all of Turtleneck's blankets and sheets are protected with a Teflon coating as well as their patented stretchable neckline that fits all the horse's needs. Yeah, you can find Turtleneck on Facebook, Instagram, or at www.turtleneck.biz. Triple Crown Feed. Oh, man. yeah. Triple Crown. Big fans of Triple Crown Feed. They have tons of, of great products out there. Mm-hmm. Premium stuff. Karen, what do you got to say over there? So Triple Crown has formulas that are tailored to your horse's unique needs and help support immunity and gut health. Find your local Triple Crown Feed dealer by going to triplecrownfeed.com. Triplecrownfeed.com. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. Uh, it Triplecrownfeed.com. They have a great feed locator. They have yes. a great feed com- comparison tool on their website. I encourage everyone to get over there. Check out Triple Crown Feed's website. Check out the different products. Check out what makes them so special. And give them a shot, right, Karen? Oh, yeah. Support the people to support the show. This episode is brought to you by Red and Goat Equestrian. To learn more about Red and Goat, visit their Facebook and Instagram pages and go to redandgoatequestrian.com. And it is 
everyone's favorite time of the year, Rob. Winter time. Winter time. But. Hated it. <laughs> but you can love it. Well, I could love it in the Fairfax and Favors Charlotte jacket. The Charlotte jacket. I do like the Charlotte jacket. Yes. It comes in a slim and feminine fit. And it comes in the Fairfax and Favors signature navy color. It's a very nice color, and it goes with everything. On I haven't seen it and not thought it went with whatever somebody was wearing with. It's really, really awesome. That is a really, really sharp, sharp coat. Right, and it also has a plush faux fur hood. Faux fur. Right, and it also comes in three different styles. So you could get the long coat, the short coat, or your favorite word, gilet. The gilet. <laughs> hey <laughs> Yeah, so everyone check them out. Go to fairfaxandfavor.com. I'm Karen. And I'm Rob. Karen, super excited for today's Major League of Any podcast. I know. I can't wait for this one. Everyone's favorite FBI steward and TD and eventing judge and everything. She does it all, Karen. Does so it we're all. Gonna, we're going to get to all of it. So uh, welcome to the show, Eileen Pritchard Bryan. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. So excited, Karen. How long have we known Eileen? Oh, goodness. I think it's been a long time. I think since 2013, we looked it up. We went back in the archives. 2013. <laughs> we'll get wow. into that. that was back when um, our son Rob was working for Dom and Jimmy. And yeah. you had your, your mayor in training with those guys. Yeah. And um, yeah. Let me tell you what, she she's, was cool, there. she's cool, comment collected as a judge, but, <laughs> but as a horse owner watching her mare go around? <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> uh, which is fun to see. I mean, it's fun because you, you think that everyone's, you know, anyone else that's out there dealing with those type of nerves as a horse owner, you know, you, you, you're, you, you're the same way when your horses are out there going. And we've seen your young ones that you bred going around and and see how into it you are. So. Oh, absolutely. You've got so much into them, and you've got so much pride, but, you know, they're like your children, so you also worry. So, yeah, that's why I'm best to um, stay hidden or just have someone feeding me the details like you've done before, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> We've done some hand-holding. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, we have. That's so funny. But, uh, you know, good memories, good yes. good times. Yes, definitely. So before we get too far into this, where, where are you coming to us from? So um, I live in northern Hartford County, Maryland, a little town uh, called Jarrettsville, which um, puts me almost due south of Plantation Field, about an hour and 20 minutes, hour and 25. And so then I'm also about an hour south west of fair hill gotcha okay yeah yep we're marylanders we're all marylanders yeah, we're here not far from we're just it. a little a little yeah. further north yeah. we're a little bit yeah you ready for the snowstorm it's storm? a great place yeah. what it's yeah well i haven't even looked at the weather <laughs> <laughs> don't bother try to avoid that yeah it's 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 winter you know it's going to be yucky right <laughs> right i figure it's the dress is going to be the same. It's going to be cold at the barn. So yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Eileen, can you take us back and tell us how you got your start in horses? Oh my! Well, I was that horse crazy kid of non-horsey people growing up. I think my father had 
written it as, as a young man. And one of my sisters wrote in college, but they don't really know where it came from. <laughs> but everything was, you know, horses and, and, you know, animals in general. And I guess I started riding at a riding school in Baltimore County back when I was in, gosh, elementary school. And it was a, a riding rec program and I enjoyed it and, you know, begged the owners, could I just come back on weekends and help and, you know, their eyes got big, you know, free stall muckers. So <laughs> that, you know, I, I worked at the riding school and taught, um, you know, some lower level lessons. I guess I was, you know, um, 13, 14 years old. And then after graduating from college, excuse me, after graduating from high school, I kind of had a little bit of a hiatus um, from the horses as I was pursuing a career, but then got back into horses. Uh, I don't know, it was 21, 22, um, and just bought a horse to trail ride and have some fun with. Because when I first started riding at the riding school, I did spend some time in the summer at Potomac Horse Center, which back then was, you know, the big eventing mecca, um, you know, with some incredible instructors. So I spent a couple summers there. But I did um, buy my own horse and started, you know, eventing, fooling around, got very interested in eventing in about 1979. It was, you know, after Bruce had won, you know, the world championships at Kentucky. So that really piqued my interest. And I just started competing at the lower levels, moved up through the upper levels, um, you know, did what we call FEI, you know, three days you know, back then during the old format, um, what we call the long format, but with roads and tracks. So I did that for a number of years and, you know, had some decent success. Um, then started having children, started my family, um, retired my upper level horse and <laughs> couldn't stay out of the horses. So I got my kid a pony. <laughs> and, um, and then bought um, a young horse um, that I started to produce and then got interested um, in breeding. And I was catch riding some um, horses, lower level horses for some owners um, and really enjoyed that and stayed, stayed busy um, in the sport, but then decided I wanted to get back by becoming, becoming a licensed official. So um, I went, I got my TD license first. Um, that was, oh boy. Now you're, now I have to remember dates. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to say that was 19, oh boy. I'm going to mix this, screw this up. Either nine, I think 94, 95, and then get, got my event judge's license a couple years after that. And then within the last, you know, 10 years, I've been at FBI steward, um, you know, venting steward level three. So, um, so it's, I've been, you know, pretty involved in the sport, but also at the time I was working a full-time job and had a family. Um, and then I started doing some purpose bred 
for horse breeding, specifically for eventing, although some of the youngsters did go on to, that I bred, go on to jumping careers or, you know, FBI dressage careers, but on a very small scale. And I, I had pretty good success. I had a horse that went up through, you know, the old four-star level. Well, I guess the old three-star level, which is now um, four-star level that did really well in England. So, and then I've had other horses that are, that are, you know, doing well and completed, you know, at some of the national levels. So it's, that's been fun, but I've done, done it on a very small, you know, small program just because of the time. So I've had really good success um, on a small basis and there's nothing more exciting than, you know, watching one of your homebreds go around or, um, you know, getting to officiate at, you know, some of the largest competitions in the world. So, um, so yeah. Wow. Do you have a favorite out of, out of your, between the being a steward and the eventing drudge? Like, do you have a favorite, uh, one of those positions that you like better than the rest? Well, they're all different and they're all interesting. Although as far as your, you know, officiating duties, although I have to say when I became an FBI steward, um, it really, I think it, um, made a big difference with being approachable when I was president of the ground jury or, or the TD, not that I wasn't approachable before I got my FBI steward license, but, you know, you build up a, a rapport and understanding with the riders, um, and they know that you're looking out, you know, for their, for their best interest. So, you know, being an FBI steward, you know, you're pretty much what they call working in the back of house, which is, you know, not in the field of play. Um, so it's it's nice to be able to be involved with the horses more on a one to one basis and and the riders and coaches, um, you know, directly. Um, because you know, when you're judging the dressage, you know, you're judging and then, you know, handling any inquiries along with the T D. So um, you know, you don't have that, that interaction, you know, you would when you're, uh, when you're stewarding and you're, you know, up close and personal with the riders. So I really do enjoy the stewarding. Plus it's an opportunity to, you know, travel and, um, I've met some incredible people, um, in my international travel. So it's, it's been a lot of fun, very gratifying. And, you know, I hope I make a big difference in the sport. Yeah. Could you, um, I mean, I think as far as a steward, like what would be a steward's duties for someone who doesn't really understand that, you know, they, they, they've never competed at the FAI level. Could you kind of give us an idea of what a steward does and what type of duties they perform? Sure. Um, so as an FBI steward, they're the, the three most important concepts to always start with are um, helpful, you know, so you're going to help um, prevent and then intervene. You know, you, you hope you never get to intervene. I've only had to do that one time in 11 years. Um, but that's your motto, help prevent intervene. And the horse welfare is a key component as well as fair play. Um, you want every horse and rider to have the same opportunity, um, as, 
you know, every other horse and rider. So, you know, paramount is the safety and welfare of the horse. Well, and rider also. Um, adhere to the rules, not doing something silly that will get them eliminated. Um, and, um, you know, fair play, giving everybody the same opportunity. So things like, you know, when I arrive, uh, I normally arrive um, before the first horse inspection or first, sorry, examination, because I have to call it the right things, horse <laughs> examination with people, <laughs> which would be considered in barns or um, basically, you know, the, the verification that the horse is who he is on his passport, um, that he serves to be, you know, he can sound and do his job. But I'm there. I can help veterinarians if possible. If they need help, sometimes, you know, they don't have enough crew. So, you know, the stewards jump right in and, and help them get that job done because it has to be before they do their, their dressage test. And make sure that I have the equipment necessary for any training or exercising that the riders want to do outside of going in the competition arena. So, you know, you're looking at those kind of things, making sure you have equipment, making sure that you've got stalls that are ready for um, drug testing and or um, treatments, um, isolation area. So you're getting things ready in what we call back of house so that the competition um, can start. You know, you work with the ground jury and the technical delegate just to make sure things are ready to go. And then when the competition starts, um, you know, the first thing, if it's a short format after the horse examination is the dressage test. And so we check all the equipment before the rider goes into the arena, if they wish it to be checked before, um, or it can be done afterwards. Um, I find that at the higher level event, um, it's more appropriate to do it afterwards, um, to not interfere with the warm up. Um, so, you know, as riders warm up, so we'll do it afterwards. Um, you know, we try to help riders, like I said, not do something silly and go in with um, an illegal piece of equipment. Um, you know, we try to catch that, catch that ahead of time. Um, you know, things like they have their identification all on the bridal numbers, that type of thing. You know, you even would help the TV make sure, you know, if they need to. Um, if you need to help look at the dressage arena at the last minute, I've had to help set up a dressage arena before, which is not a big deal. I mean, you kind of jump in with the team and do um, whatever's required. Um, so then after the, the dressage, uh, you know, you'll have either show jumping um, or cross country is the next phase. And so we'll just use cross country as a, anytime there's jumping done, now whether it's exercising or practice, uh, either show jumping or cross country or the actual warm up for cross country or show jumping, there has to be at least one steward present. So anytime there's jumping being done, a steward has to be there. So we're making sure that the exercises um, that the riders are using uh, as far as changing fences are legal, they're the proper exercises, um, making sure that, you know, um, if there's any falls, we do have to report that immediately so that medical can come and see them before they get back on their horse, if they're able to do that. You know, you're checking for access into and out of the arena so the horses can get there from their warm-up into the arena without any 
um, into the start box without any interference. And then for show jumping, that's the most, that's the most, oh, and back to cross country. So we also try to have a steward if we've got enough manpower in the vet box at the end of the cross country to just assist the veterinarian, um, help them uh, do their job and the horses come in. We're also responsible for going through the stables to make sure that veterinary practices are being adhered to and, you know, answering competitors' questions. You find that a lot of times you'll get more questions from competitors um, when you go through the stables (laughs) because, um, you know, they're thinking about their horse and not so much on uh, getting into the competition arena. So they'll ask you attack questions. And I always tell everybody, please come find me. I think a lot of the competitors have my number on speed dial because um, I tell them reach out before you go into that field of play. I don't, you know, anything that we can do to keep you in in the game, you know, we do that with every competitor. But you know, we don't want them to, um, you know, make that's a bad way to ruin your weekend with an illegal piece of equipment or taking your dressage whip into the dressage arena. Right. Although that's not elimination, but so so those kind of things. Uh, show jumping is like I said is very labor intensive because there's three things we must absolutely well two things w- that must absolutely be done, and I think this um, is kind of confusing because it's it's changed over the years um, that I've been a steward. But before the rider actually goes into the competition arena to do his round, we must. A steward must see the hind boots, must examine the hind boots and see how the, and see them placed on the horse's legs, uh, make sure they're placed properly, and that they're the right type boots. Um, now, it doesn't have to be immediately when you come into the warm-up. It just has to be done and checked in front of the steward before you go into the arena. If the rider has its boots checked and then is still warming up and then they make an adjustment or they want to change boots, that has to be done the witnessed um, in front of a steward. And then the other is, you know, there must be a steward watching um, the jumping warm-up because, again, um, there is um, a jumping booklet full of diagrams of what can and cannot be done with the exercises with the jumps. Um, and that's, that's you know, very important. Um, if we have enough stewards, we will do what they call, everybody says, boot weighing, which it is boot weighing and can be boot weighing, but it's called boot and bandage control. And that's done after the show jumping around. Um, normally, unless it's a five-star, five-star, we do everyone that comes out of the arena. Below that, we may do random depending on the number of stewards. And basically, I um, we just randomly pick, turn over the order go and just start circling numbers not you know we don't pick out riders um and when they come out of the arena we take the boots off we might take all four off we might just take off two examine the inside look at the horse's leg um and weigh it and um you know make sure that it's within the specs of 500 grams for all of the boots on one leg so if you've got a bell boot and an open front boot, then they have to be weighed together. Oh. Um, hmm. Yeah. Yes. 
Yes. And a couple of funny things have happened. And one thing for me that was paramount to my giving back to the sport was to help educate, you know, and share my knowledge and my passion. I mean, you know, when you love what you're doing, you know, it's pretty evident. So I really enjoy what I do. I'm very passionate and I want riders to have a great weekend. You know, there's only one winner, but you certainly would like every rider to to complete. And so when you're, you know, doing these kind of things, again, you're bearing in mind that yes, it's fair. Yes, you're offering the same opportunities, you know, to every competitor. But, you know, the why I do, do this so much was, you know, like I said, I like sharing and educating and, you know, the better educated you are in any endeavor, I think people, everybody enjoys it more. So it's, so it's been fun, but I'll, so I'll go back to the story um, with a fleece lined bell boot and a fleece lined open front. Now the ring was perfectly dry and they, weighed under 500 milligrams i think combined i think they were they were you know 400 or slightly under 400 um but what i said to the competitor i said just bear in mind and this is just food for thought if the ring's wet don't use these boots mm-hmm. and they looked at me at first and i said fleece is very absorbent <laughs> and if they get sopping dripping wet and you come to, to weigh them they will be over 500 grams yeah so, wow. so that's, and that's, so that's some of the kind of things that um, you like to share because again, you know, we're all trying to enjoy the sport and educate each other. And gosh, the rules certainly change um, quite often. Um, so um, yeah, wow. that's yeah, a lot. I'm saying yeah. all. <laughs> <laughs> Are there a lot of changes for 22 this year? Um. There, there are some clarifications. As a matter of fact, I was, I was just looking over some things with, as far as equipment, there are, um, whereas, you know, that's the thing that I'm involved with the most. Um, there is some clarification with regards to, um, we, they, the, the generic name is a hanging snapple, which You'll hear people say a hanging cheek snaffle, a boucher, but they're actually, um, there is a measurement of um, seven, um, seven centimeters for the length of that, that shank. So, um, you know, we don't always know what um, drives some of these changes, but normally because there's, there's, there's been a concern or a question. So, Again, all this is, is for the horse welfare and, um, you know, anything that's harmful or can possibly induce harm to horse, you know, we don't, we don't allow, period. No ifs, ands, or buts. So there's clarification on that. And then they made it, they clarified that hackamore may be used on cross country provided it has a bit. So a hackamore with a bit. So I think it was a little confusing last year, the wording. Um, but um, it, it does say hackamore um, may use, may use, but it has to have a bit. So, and that's just cross country. Um, the, one of the th- documents that I find that is very, very useful, and I encourage everybody to look at it because it's, I call it a working document. 
Um, and I look at it the Sunday before a competition. So if it's the, you know, I look at it the weekend before the competition to see if anything has been changed, but it's a working document. It's called the FAQs. Um, it's got a purple picture on the front. If you go to the FBI website um, and bring up eventing rules, you will see it um, on, on that page where the various rules are. Um, so it's, you know, right below or right next to the eventing rules for 2022. Um, so that's a working document. And, and what ends up in there, and it's mostly all equipment issues or equipment items that are discussed um, that expand on what's in the rule book. You know, there's so many different bits. There's so many different gadgets and type of boots and new and improved just blows my mind. These manufacturers are making a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Not all these pieces are legal. So, you know, that's what I always say. If it's a competition that there's a rider briefing, I said, please come see me, bring me what you want to have me look at beforehand. But anyway, that's, that FAQ is a working document and I encourage everybody to check that all the competitors um, to check that before the competition. Um, because it does have things that get added mid-year. Um, okay. Yeah, things that, that come up, um, you know, like I said, they something strange and comes up in another country. And it's like, oh, okay, we've never seen that before. But trends move very quickly and become popular very quickly. So, um, you know, and, and all these decisions and items that are addressed, you know, it's based on horse welfare and fair play. So, you know, we scratch our heads, but, you know, we go with it because those are the rules. Um, yeah. Is the procedure, again, if yeah. someone had, a, I'm sorry to interrupt you. If someone had uh, a piece of equipment that they wanted brought to your attention, do you, do you recommend going straight to the chief steward or, 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 or any steward would yeah. do or. Yeah. Well, what, what, what I like to do is you could really ask any of the stewarding team. Um, but. Um, and you know, and if they they have a question, you know, they'll 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 come to the chief steward. But you could really ask anybody on the team um, if you're more comfortable going to the chief steward. I mean, you know, our responsibilities um, are you know are the same whether you're you're an assistant or a chief as far as your knowledge. But you know, if you screw up, the chief steward gets their head on the chopping block. But um, but yeah, I mean, and. You know, we normally have an office. I always post a bunch of information on the FBI notice board. That's one of the things I do when I first get to a competition. Um, you know, my number, uh, when jump schools are going to be scheduled or when they can be scheduled, um, you know, any specific procedures for uh, horse inspection or, you know, in barns, um, veterinarians number listed, you know, um, EMS, uh, all those kind of details. Um you know, a list on the FBI notice board. So with my number there, you know, people can reach me at any time and I'll meet them at their stall or they can come to the chief steward's office. <clears throat> and it can, like I said, it can be equipment, it can be logos, it can be dress. Now don't ask me about MERs. <laughs> <laughs> ask me about MERs. That has changed also. And and um, as much as I'd love to help, if I told somebody to answer, it would be wrong. <laughs> so... Um, but you can ask me about any bit. <laughs> gotcha. So, but yeah, I just, you know, I'm glad to 
help them or one of the assistant stewards and the assistant stewards know if they have a question. They always defer to the chief. As far as being an eventing judge and it, and it, is that through USCA or UNFEI eventing judge? So I, I am a USCF large R eventing judge and a USCF small R technical delegate. Um, so can you explain what, what the, the large R and the little R of the, your, your different, what certifications, like what that, um, yeah, like what, what you can so, judge up to? So a small R event judge, uh, can judge, um, the dressage up through preliminary and be present on the ground jury at preliminary and below. Um, a large R event judge can judge from the dressage from, you know, intermediate down and also be present on the ground jury um, that at a horse trial that has the intermediate level. Um, small R event judge, uh, I mean, event TD, you can be the TD, same restrictions, preliminary and below, um, large R, TD, intermediate and below. Um, and then the S judges, which they call the senior judges, allows or and or the senior TDs allows them to officiate at the um, advanced level and below. Gotcha. Hmm. So you're you're plenty busy. You got plenty of rules <laughs> you got to keep up on, and yeah, and it, oh, and it's, it's it's funny, you know. And we're all we're all human. We're all human, and um, I'll. I'll get asked a question and I have to remember what hat I'm wearing that weekend. Uh. (laughs) If if I'm stewarding, then I'm in the FEI mentality zone because there are differences, you know, in some of our national roles and our FEI roles. And then I, so then I, if I get asked a national question, I'm like, Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) You know, I normally know the answer, but you know, there are times where you're like, Oh, wait a minute. I gotta, I gotta look, which I encourage, we always encourage all judges and officials don't guess, you know, you've got, you've got your, your rule, ba- rule book. I keep a, my iPad with all my rules on it, but, um, but yeah, so that sometimes that you have to remind yourself what you're doing. And I, I am very, very busy. I do take the, the winners off um, to stay home. So my husband and I can remember what we look like. Um, <laughs> so I, don't have to look at a picture when I'm traveling to remember remember who I married. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, but yeah. So I I start at, in March of the year of each year and then finish up in November. Um, so I do a mix of everything. You know, it's you know depending on the year, but it's it's pretty evenly balanced between um, stewarding and judging and TDing. Well, and I'm also uh, a young event horse judge and a future event horse judge for um, USCA. And then I'm also um, gotten involved in, it's called the Young Horse Show Series, which is sponsored by by Coast Farm in Kentucky. And it's it's a wonderful program for young horses, very complimentary to um, our uh YH program and our FEH program in, in ways it's got some similar, similar characteristics. So yeah, I've got plenty to do. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. I would say so. Do you have, uh, before we move on to some other items, do you have any, uh, 
being that you have like this platform right now to talk to people, do you have any like common mistakes that you see? Uh, let's say either whether it be like the horse inspections or just in general that you think, Hey, these are, these are mistakes people make that, um, you know, that's kind of another question that you have, isn't it, Karen? So, do you have any, so so do you have you any like, questions, you know, any, any like either, whether it be a pet peeve of yours or, you know, common things that you see people doing wrong uh, that you were like, well, to, one of the things, yeah. And one of the things that's a little confusing and, um, it's different from national to FEI for FEI, but, uh, identification for your horses. So with FEI, the moment your horse steps out of his stall, he has to have an identifying number on him. Now it can be his bridal number. Or you can certainly put, if you want to keep the bridal number preserved because it's a wet weekend um, and you haven't even started competing yet, you are certainly, it's certainly fine to put a piece of duct tape on the halter. You know, the horse is being grazed or lunged or arena familiarization being walked around by the groom. Um, or when they're done cross country and you slip the, the bridle off and the halter on, the horse has to have some type of identification in that. So, we can identify the horse for whatever reason, um, so that that must be on the horse. For national, they only have to be identified when they are um, being worked, exercises, exercise, or competing. So I just tell everybody, just get in the habit of always having an ID on your horse. Um, that is something that it's simple, but it gets overlooked quite a bit. Um, so I keep white duct tape black sharpie and i also keep old well they're old new bridal numbers that haven't been used and i flip them over and write the rider's number on with a sharpie you hate you don't want to send somebody back to their trailer um or their stabling especially if it's a long ways away to, to get the bridal numbers so and it's one of those things the riders really appreciate and they'll never forget the bridal number again or their identification again um, so I don't make a big deal, but I just say, here, let's, let's help you with that. So that's one thing The bridal numbers, um, you know, really, really are, um, you know, identification really is, is a big thing. Um, I guess one of the other thing is not, you know, it's the riders unsure about a piece of equipment, not asking the steward ahead of time and then going into the field of play and um, either coming out and I find something that's illegal that I didn't have an opportunity to check before or the judge finds and sees something. And it's, you know, we're a set of eyes there um, with our rule books. We can, we can certainly help you get into the competition arena, but um, you know, if you're unsure, ask, because we certainly hate, like I said, for somebody to go in, then they come out and it's like, Oh, okay, here's an illegal bit. But one of the, one of the things you know, we are the messenger and um, we don't make the decision. We have to pass it up the chain. So, um, you know, haven't gotten fired at too often, <laughs> but we just take the information and pass it up to the TV and he takes it to the ground jury. If it's, per, for example, it's a piece of illegal equipment. Um, and I, you know, I can certainly, um, if the ground jury asks, you know, I certainly can, can, enter into the discussion of, of what transpired, but, you know, we are there to help the competitors and the officials and the organizing committee. So, you know, please reach out to us. So that's, that's the other, the other thing. Um, 
another thing is not being present or ready to go into the arena when you're called. Um, you know, people coming late for the dressage test, even though it's not my test, I worry for the riders to get in there on time. And then we have to look around for you. Um, so it's, it's what's really nice is when you come into the warm-up arena is let someone know you're here and give them your number. Especially if it's crowded because it really helps us to identify that you're there. Yes, you got your boots checked or you didn't get your boots checked. Um, or maybe you've got the wrong bridal number on. We've had that happen. So um, let us know when you come into um, the warm-up area. Um, that certainly helps helps everybody. Um, and I guess the other thing um, would be, and this is a biggie, because again, it's horse welfare and care for your horse as well as the others around you. And it's when people don't fill out their stall cards, you know, stewards are there the first in the morning. We're there first ones in the morning, um, normally right before the grooms or when the grooms show up because we have to be there. And we're normally last one to leave at night. And it just takes a little bit of time put your contact information. You know, if we're checking the barns at night and we've got a horse that's colicking or is in distress, I'm sure the riders would like us to contact them very, very quickly. And if the information is not there, then we've got to do that by other means, which will take longer. You know, I have to call the organizing committee or call the secretary, have them look the number up, you know, that type of thing. So it's that's very, very important. And then the other thing is a big competition where you're in secured stabling. Um, and that, you know, the stabling that has, you know, perimeter fence and limit, limits um, people in the stables and the control of the horses in and out of the stables, um, not putting temperatures on their chart. So we ask, especially with some of the um, epidemics with the horses over the last you know, five or six or seven years with the transmissible diseases is that taking temperature twice a day can be an early indication that something is going wrong. And I know that I would want my neighbors and that their horses next to my horse checking their temps. So that's a big thing. You know, please be honest and diligent and record your horse's temperatures um, on the on the stall card. And like I said, we try to do that for the for the big competitions, although we've done it for some of the smaller competitions too. Um, and then I guess the other thing with the secured stabling is, you know, be, <laughs> don't be the one that gets busted because you gave your stabling pass to somebody that shouldn't be in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have secured stabling for a reason um, and it's um, a sacred place. <laughs> <laughs> for horses and riders and there shouldn't be unnecessary people in there and that's for the riders and horses safety um that you know we control the admittance of who can go in and out because you don't want um, um press that's not been um you know verified um or just strangers going into the barns and horse or touching the horse or listening to something and something was overheard and so so that's very very important um is um you know make sure that if you're allowed to be in stabling that's okay if you're not you know don't try to get in because it 
Well, you'll be the first person they look at. You'll be the first person they look at if something's awry, you know, or. Right. (laughs) Or I'll get a call. I'll get a call uh, in the morning or somebody will send me a text with a picture. This person was seen sneaking into the stabling. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, goodness. Well, I mean, the person who's not supposed to be there, whether they're invited in, but they don't have credentials. uh, Right. You know, if who knows what, you know, all the different things that happen. Exactly. I mean, it'll, it'll be brought to my attention or if the TD's around, you know, they'll bring it to the TD. But yeah, that, I'm normally the, the second one to hear about it. Yeah, <laughs> if I don't, yeah. if I don't see it, I'm the one to hear about it, whoever informs me. So, but we, you know, we want to keep it as a, a, a safe, um, you know, haven for the horses and riders or, you know, their private space. But, um, sure. Absolutely. So do you have any, uh, for 2022, do you have any big competitions on the horizon besides your, you know, your normal stuff? I do. I'm, I'm going to a lot of the normal ones I go to. Um, I'll start with Carolina International. Um, then Fairhill, then Kentucky. Unfortunately, Jersey Fresh isn't running anymore. Um, they chose not to run this year. That's a normal one that I did. Um, I'm going to Bromont, um, big Bromont, uh, in June, hopefully, if COVID doesn't interfere and the border doesn't get closed. Right. Uh, and then, gosh, and then, of course, judging and TDing in between, in between that. But the big, and then I'll be at the Maryland Five Star again. But the, the most, one of the most exciting things for me, and I'm, I've never been to Italy, but I was invited by um, the chief steward for eventing to go to um, the World Equestrian Equestrian Games in Italy um, in September. So that's that's very, very exciting. Um, That's super exciting. I've been to, this is my fifth one, maybe, fifth one. Wow. So that'll be fun. That'll be a lot of fun. Have you done the Olympics yet? I have not. I have not. Um, I'm hoping I'm putting my eye on Paris. If I get an invite, I'm going to say absolutely yes. Um, <laughs> but that, yeah, so, been to France before, but um, and it's a lovely, lovely country. So, um, but Italy is going to be exciting because I've not, I've not been there before. Um, Very exciting. Well, best of luck I, with that. Hopefully, yeah. everything's wide open. You know. I hope so. I hope so because, yeah, take an opportunity to see some of the country. Yeah. So, yeah. so mm. switching gears, you're also, you had mentioned before you've done some breeding. Can you tell us a little bit about your breeding program? And, and do you have any current babies? Are you currently breeding? What's, what's going on there? Well, I did sell all of the youngsters that were of going under saddle age over the last couple of years. So I, I had some three-year-olds and four-year-olds that, that I recently sold. Um, I have one mare, well, I have my retired event mare that um, was my third, second, oh, I can't remember, second or third generation. But the long and the short of it is I have no babies right now at the moment this year or planned for 2022. Um, I have a Jaguar, Jaguar male, uh, mayor, she's six out of a Riverman daughter that has 
had unfortunately had the back seat because the geldings, the four or five geldings that were younger than her got the attention because they needed to be sold. And I normally try to keep the girls if it's a good one, um, you know, continue the breeding program. So don't know if I'm going to breed her this spring or just get her back in work and maybe have some fun myself. I don't know how I'm going to fit that in, but if I slow down a little bit, maybe I can enjoy my riding. Um, or I'll breed her, breed her next year. So a little bit of a break right now, which is fine. Um, but I, I perp- like I said earlier, I purpose breed for eventing. Um, my first foundation mare, I had, well, the two foundation mares that I had were thoroughbred mares, very well-bred, had um, been producers um, already of um, a couple sport horses. Um, my very good friend, um, Amy Howard of Alney Farm actually sold me my my very first broodmare. Um, and so I produced nice, nice youngsters out of them, started with them. And I normally will go to a warm blood stallion or um, a thoroughbred warm blood cross, um, even though thoroughbreds you know, more blood in, in your breeding program as far as producing an event horse is desirable. And it's, you know, the facts and the statistics and all the numbers have certainly proven how much blood you need when you're doing, you know, an 11, 12-minute five-star cross-country course and then jump the next day. But mine have always had a little bit of warm blood in them because um, everybody wants to produce a five-star horse, but most of my clients that have bought horses have been adult amateurs and so just adding that tractability and the better dressage and the better show jumping form um really suits it well it suits it you know well to to have the warm blood crosses so most of mine have a pretty high percentage of thoroughbred blood in them but um also um they have warm blood in them and i steer more towards uh, the holstein uh stallions um that's the um, you know, the whole Steiner stallions have, have served me very well. So, yeah. Hmm. And, and your breeding program, uh, what's that called? Like your, oh, your, 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 um, your business? Yeah. It's Wexford Glen Sport Horses. Um, the way we came about that, my husband is Irish Italian and his um, family, his Irish family is from County Wexford in Ireland. So, that's how that got started. It's our little place we call Wexford Glen Sport Horses. So all of my horses that are out there competing, they will have WG at the end of the name. So you'll know that those are mine. Yeah, there okay. we go. There yeah. we go. We have to look now. And I see them out there. I yeah. do. I, saw, I think we just saw some at, yeah. at, uh, at um, um, Flora Lee, I think, last time we were. We yeah. Were yeah. And one of the really exciting things um, for the last youngster I sold, was a full sibling to the mayor that I have, the Jaguar Mail Riverman. Um, and I know a lot of people know her, Dr. Carrie Williams, um, who um, is a professor at Rutgers, but she's an equine uh, veterinarian specializing in nutrition. And uh, she's an adult amateur and she's very enjo- involved with the New Jersey Horse Park and Jersey Fresh. So anyway, she bought this youngster of mine um, last year and he has just been just a super, super mount for her. I mean, we've 
very, very talented and, you know, a quality animal, but yet he's got a brain that he's just, he's like an old soul. So she's really having a lot of fun with him. And then um, his older half-brother, <laughs> um, Caparo, Caparo WG, uh, is owned by Ina Biddle. And she, they actually are at the same farm <laughs> with oh. Wendy Lewis in New Jersey. So it's, it's, it's really kind of cute that they're the two half-brothers. The two half brothers are there, and then um, got another nice horse that um, went out to Michigan, and uh, um, another thoroughbred, Warm Blood Cross, um, that a young professional, Morgan Jill O'Connelly, who's um, in Maryland, has. So, um, so yeah, so it's, I've been very, very lucky that you know, I've the homes have been ideal for the horses to go on and do what they do best, what they're bred to do. So it's very, you know, it's very gratifying. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye out for, for what's on the horizon there. Yes. That's very exciting. All right. So Eileen, we are going to play quick fire questions. Quick fire questions. God. (laughs) (laughs) Fire. You're firing at me or I'm firing back. You got to fire back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and quick fire questions is brought to you by Red and Goat Equestrian. Get your winter insulated jumpsuit by going to redandgoatequestrian.com. All right, so it's just five questions, but Rob does grade you at the end. Strict grading. Very strict grading. Strict grading. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. So first question is, who was your favorite rider growing up? Oh boy. Does it have to be, oh boy, does it have to be in the eventing discipline? No, no, it could be whoever it was. William Steincraft. Oh, that's a good one. I, I, he was quite a horseman and I just loved his jumping style and the horses he rode were amazing. Plus his success on the, on the team, on the USDT team. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Good answer. Good answer. All right. You're on a roll. So next question is I'm giving I'm doing I'm grading her uh dressage score wise. So that was a ten. That was a ten. Ten. Okay. ten. <laughs> All right. Next question is favorite event that you officiated at. Oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy. There is a lot in for and 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 for different reasons. Um, I, I have to say, and I'm, I'm being very fair in this. Everybody likes to do the upper level event. So of course, Kentucky and the Maryland five star are way up there, but I, what's been really fun. I did an event, um, in Canada, in New Brunswick, and it was the first year that they had run it and it was called, uh, Fauché. Uh, Fauchet, uh three-day event, and it was in Jemseg, um, North Brunswick, Canada. And it was so much fun because it was a new event. It was a lower level. They gave great prizes, lots of money, and the folks were so committed. They were all in to make this a really, really great event. So between, you know, Kentucky 
I'm not giving you one answer. So I guess this is, I'm going to get a fat goose egg for the, <laughs> between Kentucky and Maryland. And then I have to throw Jersey Fresh in there too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, there, there've been so many, there've been so many, but I think, you know, the one in, in Canada, um, the Fauché, it was just, it was fun. I mean, it, you know, it was low profile, but it was so much fun. Sure, another 10, Karen. Yeah. Another 10. Yeah. You're on a roll. Yeah, there you go. Very, you're on a very strong start. All right. But so. then now, nope. now, then I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I miss if I don't mention Carolina, you know, they're all different. You know, if I don't one. mention Carolina, Meadow or Maryland horse trials or our, you know, our local, you know, near and dear plantation. And, you know, so what do you do? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll, good I'll answer. Say they're all my about that, I'll just say they're all my favorite, and here there are some. Go. Here's some. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, uh, and and, it, and you know what? If it was anyone else but you, I wouldn't believe him. But I believe you. <laughs> I well, I try to always smile. Someone said they always see me smiling, so I said, "Oh God, that's a good thing." I hope. I hope they don't <laughs> ever see me. <laughs> so I am fun. When you see me there, I am having fun. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right. So next question is, what is your favorite thing about the sport of eventing? The passion, the passion of the riders and the horses and us all being there for the glory of the horse. Good answer. Yeah. yeah. Excellent answer. Excellent. Another 10. Another 10. Whew. All right. <laughs> all right. Me... But... So the next question is, what is one thing you would change about the sport? Oh, what would I change? Well, I guess there, you always like to see improvements um, in any aspect, but, you know, I can't really put, I can't really put my finger on one particular thing, I guess, um, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, you, you always want to think, see things improve and, you know, the competition to be, um, a safe, you know, competition. I, I guess I'd like to see that, um, they're continuing with, um, implementing the, the risk management and, you know, um, you know, really concentrating on the safety. So I guess, I guess, you know, continually, you know, um, they're making inroads every day with how to, you know, keep the horses safe and, um, um, you know, the small horse and riders safe. But not, I don't have anything really specific yeah. other than, oh, I do know something. Ooh. I'll let you go back to the four-person team. Oh, the game. there we go. I'm going to give her an That's, a good, yes. <laughs> That's yes. a good one. Why don't, you, why don't you use that one? Cut the other one out. <laughs> that's just not another 10 karen yeah i like that answer all right so last question if you could ride any horse past present or fiction who would it be oh this is easy this is easy my dear friend karen lendy or i can't not uh, karen o'connor bico bico he i mean i would look like a pimple on top of him because he was just massive, but he was just the coolest horse. Yeah, definitely be Biko. The Thompson. 
Yeah, the Thompsons owned them. Karen's been in O'Connor for many, many years. <laughs> oh, yeah, but you know what? How long have I been doing this? Many, yeah. many, many years. Right, right. <laughs> many, years. many years. It's hard. You know, it's hard. I, people still call me Eileen Pritchard, so um, every once in a while I slip and call her Lendy. So. That's okay. That's all Let right. me do my calculations here. Uh, collective uh, suppleness. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got a zero, 100%, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. It's the best dressage score ever, A++. Good job. Oh, fabulous. All right. Knocked it out of the park. Well done. Now I, the whole trick is not to get eliminated in the other phases, right? There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, yeah, yeah. you're out in front. Don't don't let it slip. <laughs> Watch right. those boots. <laughs> Watch those boots. Uh. Uh, so, Eileen, do you have any advice for that person thinking about becoming an official? Um, yes. Um, be persistent. Uh, don't give up. Um, it's a great way to give to back the sport and to really be immersed in the discipline. And more so, um, obviously, in eventing, but really, really, um, the horsemanship knowledge that you need, not just from officiating, I mean, not just from competing, but make sure you're a knowledgeable horse person. And just if your passion and your heart is in it, um, pursue it. Um, but it's an ideal way, you know, to, to give back. It's very, very hard work. Be prepared for long hours. Um, and, you know, if you are if you can keep a level head and see the big picture, go for it. Excellent. Yeah. Good Excellent. advice. Very good. Great advice. All right. Well, uh, I think that's fantastic. I think we've said it all, Karen. I think so. Eileen, uh, thank you so much for everything you do for the sport and and you've been a very good friend to us and our family for many many yeah, years and definitely and uh it's about time we finally got you on the show huh <laughs> exactly well you know like i said the winter time is the best <laughs> yeah. yeah but um well, i appreciate your i appreciate your kind words and you know i uh i pinch myself every morning that i'm at a competition because you know how great is this that i get to do this um I mean, in my wildest dreams, I was talking to an old friend year, from years and years ago. We started eventing together and, um, you know, we're both, you know, completely grown up with grandkids. And, you know, she said to me, did you ever in your life think you'd be where you are now? And I said, no, but boy, has it been a great ride, you know, and it's just, it's, I'm, I'm glad I can make a difference. And that's, that's what makes it, makes it fun. And you guys have been great, too. Thank you so much. Your boys are, are super. And I've helped raise Joe. That makes me feel really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, you have. Uh, you've definitely <laughs> raised Joe. You have. <laughs> you've been there. You've been there. Uh, uh, we won't talk about it, but you've definitely yeah. been a mentor to Joe, we'll say. Yeah. Two delightful young men, both your boys. Thank, thank you. you so much. Well, Eileen, thank you so much again. We'll be watching out for, for, for your breeding. We'll definitely be looking out for you at the shows and, and um, just thank you again for everything you do and all the other stewards and TDs and judges and, uh, you know, everyone who puts on these shows, 
from the organizer secretaries on up through the stewards. Thank you for, for everything you do. And, and, um, you know, without, without you and volunteers and, and those other officials, we wouldn't have a sport. Well, I certainly, I certainly appreciate that. And, and, um, you know, I appreciate all the opportunities and all the mentors, you know, that I've had along the way and still mentors that I have, but yeah, well, you know, you're quite welcome. And I'm sure I'll see you under warmer conditions in March. Let's cross our fingers. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Please like Major League Venning on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And join our community, Major League Venners, on Facebook. Cheers!